This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the Bama Online Podcast. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BOL, with you once again here on the pod. Joined today by longtime staff member for Go 24-7, Mr. Sonny Ship. And amidst all this uncertainty, Sonny, we welcome you on to the podcast. Wish we had more clarity as we sit here at midday on Tuesday. I have to put a timestamp on this baby because, Sonny, based on the events of the last 24 hours or so, I know on the LSU end, I guess it's safe to say it's anything but certain that we're going to have football between Alabama and LSU Saturday evening at Tiger Stadium. Always a, always a pleasure to uh, to chat football with you, Travis. And, uh, yeah, you definitely better put a timestamp on this, and you better expedite the, uh, expedite the publishing of this the <laughs> upload because <laughs> we, we could probably record three more of these by the time we get to, uh, we get to Wednesday around this time. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, we were talking about this before we started recording today, and I, I can't think of uh, a program – and even just for you guys, uh, Billy Shea, yourself there at Go247, Go247, that have experienced what you have over this last year where college football is concerned because the meteoric rise of LSU in 2019, it was a team that most people felt like was top 10 quality. But then to have a season for all time, a Heisman Trophy winner, a Bolitnikoff Award winner, pretty much everything you could accomplish during a college football season, LSU did it a year ago. And then to turn right into the pandemic, already faced with a lot of attrition, uh, get into even the preseason, start experiencing some opt-outs. Jamar Chase, obviously chief among those uh, individuals to, to make that decision and um, just the, the sort of turnaround that we've had from the highest of highs and then like every society dealing with COVID-19 and, you know, I feel for LSU fans in, in, in the, from the perspective, I'm not sure they've ever gotten to really enjoy what happened, not fully anyway, from the 2019 season. Yeah, no, it's a, um, <laughs> when you look at it, when when you look at it, like you, like you laid it out, you know, you, you've got mid January, you've got the national championship win over Clemson. Of course, the days that follow, you have the, you know, the, the mass exodus of juniors to the NFL. Uh, you know, then of course you've got the, uh, you know, you've got the, the NFL combine, you've got, uh, pro days coming up all of a sudden a pandemic hits and then bam, everything is just turned upside down inside out 
And, um, you know, on top of that, then you then you, you finally get into the football season and you get a, a loss to open the season, followed by a win, another loss, a win, a loss at Auburn. And, uh, you know, for, for, for LSU's perspective, hopefully they can keep that trend continue, uh, continuing to where if you every time you lose one, you win one, because then that would mean that they would beat Bama. But, uh, oh, man. What a chore that's going to be. Just from looking at when I went down and, and did a tale of the tape this morning and, and kind of started just comparing the two teams, man, that Alabama offense, I mean, talk about a juggernaut. Number one in the SEC in just about every category. And, uh, man, hats off to Steve Starkeesian, uh, Nick Saban, and all those coaches because, man, they've got that offense clicking right now. Yeah, we'll get into a few matchups after the break. And, As we're going to talk about, a lot of these guys have crossed paths on the recruiting trail because, as we know, Alabama, LSU, maybe not in terms of volume always involved with the same guys, but when you're talking about the elite of the elite in college football recruiting circles, yeah, more often than not, you see these two programs mixing it up out there on the recruiting trail. Um, But in terms of what you're anticipating for just trying to get Saturday's game off the ground, so to speak. Uh, we know that uh, what we heard from from Ed Orgeron on Monday, um, what's been the feeling going into Tuesday, Sonny, as, as we get into the midday hours here? Man, uh, you know, really just kind of sitting on pins and needles and um, – you know, trying to trying to figure out where they are from a numbers perspective, um, you know, and the number that the number that they're that that they're concerned about and that they're really, I guess, that is kind of in the bullseye is that 53 number. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the 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 SEC says that everyone has to have 53 scholarship players available and most teams, most teams have 85 to work with. So when you say, okay, well, 85, 53, well, that means 32 players, you know? So if you can, you know, the odds of, of the odds of being able to, to meet that 53, uh, you know, fall, falls on your side when you have that 85 man roster. But with LSU, you know, they were down to 70 to start the season. Wow. So now all of a sudden, when you look at that 53, you know, so now we're comparing that 53, not to 85, but to 70. Well, all of a sudden, you know, that puts that puts you in a much uh, in a much larger numbers crunch. And, you know, from talking to sources, they barely, you know, that they uh, they barely were able to get 53 out there for practice on Monday. And, um, you know, I, I just hope that I just hope that what we've seen in the past when teams come up, when teams, uh, you know, have to deal with. With these situations, you know, it just seems like as the week has gone on that the numbers just escalated higher. And, uh, you know, that's what kind of has me concerned when looking at whether or not these teams, these two teams will likely play on Saturday. Just the, uh, you know, the, the past is really not uh, is really not on, on on the game side of being being able to be played when you look at, uh, you know, how. You know, many of these other schools that have had to deal with with postponements, uh, you know, how they've kind of transpired. What's the vibe of that fan base right now? I mean, coming off the not just the loss at Auburn, but by LSU standards, um, a disappointing showing, no doubt about it. And that's taking into account that you're already dealing with some 
some things that we've documented, some opt-outs, your, your talent level, your experience talent levels, certainly not what you had hoped. And you are already dealing with the mass exodus that you talked about earlier. Um, but is there, is there still uh, a level of excitement amongst this fan base or is it one where, look, if, if we don't get Alabama in here as a 28 point favorite on Saturday evening, there, there's worse things that could happen. Than, than not playing <laughs> Alabama this week. A mixture of both. Uh, you know, you, you, you've got a mixture of both. Um, I think, uh, you know, probably more of your casual fans are looking at it like, okay, well, hey, you know, if we can if we can still watch college football this weekend and not have to deal with getting, you know, getting our teeth kicked in by Alabama, that's a win-win, you know, but then right. you have the, you know, you, you've got the, you've got the ones who are, you know, you've got the fans who are, more into the X's and O's, the Jimmy's and the Joe's, the, uh, you know, going, going, diving really deep into metrics. And they know the benefits that comes with, uh, you know, with getting your, you know, true freshman quarterbacks reps against Alabama, with getting Eric Gilbert, Eli Ricks, you know, all of these young guys, getting them these reps against the number one team in the country. Um, you know, I mean, the the spread speaks for itself. You know, it started out at 23 with uh, with William Hill Sportsbook, quickly got up to 24. Now it's up to 28, and um, you know, I wouldn't even be surprised if it if it maybe dips into you know dips into 30. You know, just as much as you've seen it move in such a short amount of time, but. <laughs> You know, LSU fans, like you said earlier, they they didn't really get to celebrate the national championship before all of this other stuff hit. But I think a lot of them are still riding off of that high, you know, from that national championship They're, You know, they kind of look at that. And then something else I think that is also playing into into you don't see people wanting to jump off of a bridge after the loss to Auburn because they already jumped off that bridge <laughs> with the loss to Mississippi State. You know, if Mississippi right. State would have beat LSU by 10 points in a normal game, then, uh, you know, then this Auburn game probably would have had a much uh, a much bigger effect on their psyche. However, when you give up 623 yards passing to Mississippi State and you lose by, you know, you lose 44-34 at home to start the season, I think that kind of like like that was such a uh, such a kick in the teeth right there to where it was just like, oh, wow, we are terrible. quickly, quickly set the tone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are that's... terrible on defense. So anything that happened from that point on, I think, was either if it wasn't expected, then it was just, um, you know, it was like the why it happened was so obvious and so glaring to where you don't have people kind of searching for the answers because they're like, Hey, why aren't we doing this? You know, why don't we do this on defense? And so it's not really searching for the answers, but saying, Hey, here's the answers. Let's go out and do them. Tough thing for LSU too, is you already lost a home game. You already lost the Missouri game um, that you ended up having to play in Columbia. Now you potentially lose this home game uh, I guess the other side of that is you're dealing with limited occupancy, which I wanted to ask you about uh, from a perspective of, of environment, what we've all grown so accustomed to, especially on Saturday nights at Tiger Stadium. I, I got to think it's just uh, entirely different, uh, obviously, with with what we're dealing with right now with the protocols. 
Yeah, and uh, you know the the Mississippi State game was a two thirty kick on CBS to start the season. Um, Missouri was going uh, was scheduled to be an eight o'clock kickoff uh, in Tiger Stadium. Then of course that one got moved to Columbia with an eleven a.m. kickoff. And so really the South Carolina game was the you know was the first night game of the season. That was our first chance to really uh, you know to really have that quote unquote uh, night game atmosphere. And the team played so well. Uh, yeah. The team played, you know, it, uh, I think I think they exceeded anyone's wildest expectations to think that, you know, T.J. Finley was going to go in there, complete 80 percent of his passes, you know, look like a, and the offense moved the ball like it did against South Carolina. I think everybody was so shocked to where they never really had uh, had much of a chance to kind of enjoy it in the stadium until the game was just way out of doubt, you know, to where there was, you know, there was no question that LSU was going to win it at this time. So, um, you know, the the atmosphere, it is what it is. Um, you know, we're going to – I'm just hoping this time next year, man, that we're able to have, a, you know, a full house in Tuscaloosa, a full house in Baton Rouge and Gainesville – and just able to get, um, you know, some sense of uh, some so, some better sense of normalcy because even watching the NFL on Sundays, man, it's just like oh, weird, kind of hard, yeah. you know. It's kind of you know, if there, you're not there, a diehard for that team or player, man, it's hard to sit there and watch it. <laughs> there are there are places where there's going to be major concerns about fans coming back to the stadium after a year like this, but I don't think. I don't think LSU is going to be one of those. I don't think Alabama is going to be among those. But plenty of other places, man. It's going to be tough to get a lot of these folks to come back to the park, even if it is wide open. Yeah, there's a lot of group of five schools, man. SEC schools. Yeah, some SEC too. Florida Florida and Tennessee were already struggling to, to sell season tickets. I mean, that's crazy, I know, but they were. And... You know, I know Dan Mullen comes out after the A&M game and says, we want 90,000 in the swamp next week after A&M's math. A&M's math on capacity numbers seems a little different maybe than everybody (laughs) else's. But Dan wasn't happy about that. Absolutely. That's right. Even the math. (laughs) Capacity math. But Dan wasn't happy about that. And then he calls for 90,000 the next week in Gainesville for LSU as scheduled. And – that wasn't going to happen. But then even with like 17 or 18,000 tickets available, Florida wasn't selling that out. Yeah. You know, so it, it kind of speaks to, to the challenges that a lot of places are going to have once we, once we come out of this pandemic. So when we look at Saturday night and, you know, you consider the possibility of another postponement involving this time Alabama and LSU is the – is the feeling over there that if LSU makes up a game on December the 12th and it's Florida and possibly Alabama, that it will still be Florida that LSU plays on December the 12th? You know, I don't think that, uh, I I don't think they've really gotten to that point yet. Um, I think, you know, my understanding is that's more of the, more of the SEC office of kind of trying to, you know, to sort some things out. And, uh, you know, granted, I don't know the validity of this, but I've seen, I've seen, we've had a couple of posters on our, on our message board, you know, posting that one of the scenarios that they hear that the SEC is looking at is, um, 
you know, for instance, and I'm not sure what Alabama's schedule looks like and how this would affect them, but from an LSU perspective, is that, okay, LSU plays Ole Miss on December 5th. They play Florida on December 12th. And then December 19th, they don't have a game because, you know, that's the date of the SEC championship game. So one of the scenarios that a couple of our posters have have mentioned that they're hearing and seeing stuff about is that the Ole Miss game could get pushed to December 19th since neither one of them would be playing will be playing in Atlanta anyway. And then and, and then LSU and Alabama potentially meeting on that December 5th Saturday. Okay. Um, you know, I'm not sure what Alabama's schedule looks like. They got Arkansas. On, yeah, uh, they've got Arkansas, right? Okay. Yeah. So, so when does and and Alabama doesn't have a game on the twelfth yet? Not yet. Right. right. Not okay. yet. And that's the other and part so, of this. Even even if Alabama, um, you know, were to play Saturday at LSU, you still have to consider the real possibility of needing that twelfth date for another opponent. For another one, you know? yeah. Like Kentucky, yeah. they go Kentucky, Ark, they go Kentucky, Auburn, Arkansas after LSU right up until uh December the twelfth. So, you know, that would that would maybe not work as much from a scheduling perspective. Unless you could do something with Arkansas on the fifth. Maybe you could. Yeah. Um I haven't looked that far down the road with that. But uh The SEC's yeah, so gotta get creative. You know, they've, they they've, do. They've and, got- and and I guess part of this too, Sonny, is if it comes down to it, do you need Florida or Alabama to play LSU? On December the 12th, you know, if they've pretty much wrapped up their place as the divisional champs, if you're Greg Sankey, do you want to expose a one loss and perhaps undefeated Alabama to an upset potential uh, upset loss potentially to LSU in a, in a game that isn't going to impact the races in the East or the West? You know, I guess that's a scenario to consider as well. Do you do you need to play that game either way on December the 12th? Yeah, and I guess really the uh, and I guess the you know the only the only the only thing that I would imagine that they're looking at is that while you have a you know while you have limited capacity, you still have twenty five thousand people who bought tickets to the LSU Alabama game. It's true, and you have TV more. Importantly. And you have yeah, and you have TV, and you, you know, and, and the TV side, you know, they they can you know they can probably ship things around, and they can probably work that out. But then you, when you start getting into the local communities, you know, the local restaurants, the you know the yeah. people who are you know who benefit from uh, you know who benefit from game days, and hey, we can't go to Tiger Stadium today, but you know let's go you know, let's go grab some beer and go up to Buffalo Wild or wherever you know and and mm-hmm. um, you know and be able to do it up there so that's what it's going to be interesting to see that you know it's going to be interesting to see that that and and I have no doubt in my mind that the that what the SEC is looking at today with LSU Alabama they know that it's going to be much worse and much harder to navigate everything three weeks from now yeah, because, you know, the cases continue to rise around the country and, you know, you've got you've got flu season kind of coming up again and stuff. And so, you know, so so who knows what they're going to have to deal with. But the SEC, this is a good this is a good, uh, I guess, a good test for them to see, OK, how creative can they get? You know, because I don't think there's any question, like I said, that, you know, you're going to have other teams that are going to face the same situation and. 
Um, it's hard to see it getting better before it, uh, you know, before the end of the season. Yeah. I mean, Alabama has been able to sort of navigate the situation successfully to this point. And, you know, like LSU, like Auburn coming off an open date, uh, I think for Alabama, if it isn't later in the week that you have particular concern, it's even going into Kentucky week next week for Alabama. Yeah. Nobody's nobody's immune to the to the concern level, even with Alabama going to everyday testing uh, earlier in the season. Hey, um, we're going to take a quick break. And guess what? We're actually going to ponder some potential matchups for this Alabama LSU game. We've talked about enough scenarios in which the game won't be played. When we come back with Sonny Ship of go to 24 seven, we're going to actually talk about a couple of matchups of particular interest. We'll do that more when the Bama online podcast returns right after this. Back with more of the Bama online podcast, a Tuesday edition of the podcast, Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you joined by Sonny Ship, longtime staff member, does an outstanding job with the crew over there at Go 24-7 covering the LSU Tigers. So, Sonny, we talked about enough scenarios in which this game may or may not be played on Saturday evening at Tiger Stadium, but let's get into a couple of areas of these football teams just in case, you know, they do play. I think that might be important. So you've talked about the the defensive struggles for this LSU team and certainly the moniker of DBU and defensive uh, achievement that we've seen from LSU throughout the years. Just look at the national football league for more on that. Um, the presence of, of, of LSU talent there at the next level. Uh, so many losses though from that defense. And it was a defense even last year that had its struggles at time, but it seemed like when the games became their biggest, especially down the stretch, that unit got better and better and was really good by the time the Tigers saw Clemson there in New Orleans. Um, is it all about turnover in terms of personnel, the struggles this year? Uh, opt-outs included in that and, you know, Bo Pelini coming back in there for Dave Aranda. How, how, much, is, you know, how much is this all added up, the different areas of change there? Well, you know, we've, we've talked about how Every school basically is on a is on a level playing field that that, you know, um, no one no one really got 12 practices in on the spring. And then this team only got two. I mean, everybody, you know, everybody got a few practices in, you know, I think Tulane may have gotten five in uh, and that might be one of the most that I've seen. Uh, you know, but but I don't think you can I don't think you can underestimate how much it's hurt LSU's defense of not being able to have those 15 practices in the screen in the spring in Bo Pelini's defense, um, you know, switching from a three, four to a four, three, you know, having so many new faces in there, uh, not to mention, not to mention young guys. And so when you, you know, when you take all of that and you put it all together, not being able to have that spring, I think it really, you know, that, that that's something you can point to and you can say, okay, you know, it's obvious that LSU has communication issues on defense. Uh, you know, Ed Orsron has has harped on the communication. 
you know, every time he talks about uh, one of the losses, and that's one of the first words that comes out of his mouth is the communication. They've got to improve that. And I think that's a direct result of, you know, of not having all those practices, of not being able to, uh, you know, to get all your guys on the field, to be able to talk them through the scenarios, having to do it through Zoom, having to do it through different through different mechanisms. So I think that that I think that is definitely played into, uh, you know, in into into LSU's defense. But at the same time, you're seeing you're seeing LSU players on that side of the ball making making prop making mistakes and making issues that they didn't make last year fundamental issues technical issues things that you know things that that they did right last year and so you know i don't think i don't think it i don't think it's all just on bo pelini's system i think that you know i think that for for whatever reason for whatever reason you know there are there are more than a couple of guys on the defensive side of the ball and also on the offensive side of the ball, particularly when you look at the offensive line. There are some guys who are not who are who who do not seem to be as you know as mentally focused as as mentally sharp as just into it and ready to go that you saw last year even the year before and you know so at some point you know it's easy to beat up on a coach who's making two million dollars a year like Bo Pelini but at some point you know the players have to accept responsibility the players have to stand up and they say hey you know what we've got to put in extra work we've got to do this we've got to do this and uh you know right now we talked about this earlier about the fan base but I think right now I think you've got too many guys uh, on LSU's team, both sides of the ball, and you know, and even some coaches. When you get into that coach's office, who they're still they're still enjoying that national championship. Yeah, you know, hang, and, little and, hangover. And, and, yeah, yeah, that hangover. And look, Nick Saban. You know, Nick Saban has mentioned this at Alabama that you know, enjoy the national championship, go to your parade, do everything that you're going to do and stuff, and enjoy that. But when it's time to get back to work, you know. Take those rings off. Take that sign down. You know what this team, what the 2019 did, team did, has no effect on 2020. 2020's yeah. team, you've got to build. You know, you've got to build. You've got to build from the ground up. You know, you can't take what this team built and just expand on it. You've got to build yourself. And um, you know, you just got. I think you just have too many people. Um, who are, you know, who are, who just don't have that, that killer instinct to just like, okay, you know, we've got to get in there and we've got, we've got to fix this. We've got to correct this. And, um, you know, and, and I really don't think that it's going to get fixed this season. You know, I think that's something that has to be addressed in the off season. And it's something that, uh, you know, it's something that Ed Orgeron is going to have to, going to have to sort out once this season does end. Yeah. You know, you said it, even as you, wind down this weird weirdest of weird seasons still an opportunity to develop young players and when I watch LSU I see young guys like Eli Ricks on defense at the cornerback spot and talk about getting plenty of action that's been that guy because he's got Derek Singley Jr. on the other side so you tell me where offenses are probably more likely to go or also Cordell Flott working inside I guess in that uh in that nickel package as well but um, that's a matchup, it seems like, on an annual basis now that we're going to preview. Uh, Alabama's wide receivers, uh, LSU secondary, conversely, Alabama's wide receivers. 
uh, excuse me, LSU's wide receivers and Alabama's back into the defense. And, you know, even for Alabama, it's been rocky at times, probably more so uh, in the middle of that defense between the linebacker and safety levels uh, working against the, the passing offenses that they've seen. Although Malachi Moore for Alabama has really stepped up his game at the star position. Uh, is, is that been similar for LSU in terms of their struggles? Uh, been more middle of the field? Has it been all-encompassing just about anywhere you look? Man, it's been all-encompassing. Enco- and, um, you know, instead of the – I don't know if I'd say the middle of the field – I would say the deep part of the field because there's been so many instances yeah. where opponents are just running free in the end zone that there's, you know, there there's no one there's no one in the picture, you know, on TV and stuff and so it, it it's really been it's really been all over. I will say that you know, if you you know, when you when you look for the bright spots and certainly that, you know, there have been some bright spots, you know, LSU is, uh, you know, LSU is one of the best at uh, at getting after the quarterback this year. They're uh, they're number three in the league with, uh, you know, two point two point eight sacks a game. And so and, and they've also done good. They've also done a good job at taking the ball away. They've uh, they've created 11 turnovers. A matter of fact, that you know LSU and Bama are both tied for fourth with 11 turnovers forced on the year. So there have been some, you know, there have been some some bright spots. You know, the as crazy as it is when you go and you look at it, you know, you look at the Mississippi State game and you say, okay, well they just, you know, the the scheme, the 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 plan of attacking Mike Leach's defense of playing man to man across the board. I mean, you know, obviously that was such a head scratcher right there, and you know that that received uh, so much talk after that opening loss. But then you go to Missouri, and you've got the game being moved from Baton Rouge to Missouri. You've got the eleven o'clock kickoff. And, uh, you know, players obviously, you know, started out slow, came out flat in that one. And so, you know, you can look at that and you say, okay, well, how much did this, you know, how much did this play into it moving it? Whereas with Auburn, you look at Auburn, you say, okay, they just got their butts absolutely kicked up and down the field. And there's, you know, there's nothing you can look at that you can point to that you say, okay, well, this could have been, you know, this could have been an outside, you know, this could have been an outside influence. This could have played into it right here. No, look, it's LSU Auburn. Okay. LSU Auburn, you know, that would be the equivalent to Alabama saying, um, you know, we didn't get up for the iron bowl. Right. On a little bit of a lesser scale. I mean, come on, you know, who's going to say that? So, you know, there's, 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 there's certain games, there's certain games that players do not need to get up for. LSU, Alabama, that's one. Auburn, Alabama, LSU, Auburn, LSU, Florida, Alabama, Georgia. You know, you've got a few of those on the schedule each year that you don't need to pep talks. You don't need to, you know, you don't need to look no at the motivation to see required. who you're playing. No, yeah. exactly, you know. You, if and you need so, an outside source for motivation in those games, you're you're probably not in the no, in the right place. Yeah. <laughs> you're in yeah. trouble. You know? But you talk about you talk about some of the bust and watching the Auburn game. Um, that was pretty evident. You had the 91 yard touchdown by Anthony Schwartz. You know, the, the, I see Stingley in the safety. It looked like Stingley was trying to communicate to the safety you know, how they were going to play that, the communication didn't go through. And you're not, look, you're not intentionally, unless you're bringing Stingley on a blitz and they weren't, you're not going to leave a world-class sprinter on a safety. 
And that that's just kind of the things that have played out. And like I said, we we've seen it at times for Alabama, although Alabama's problems have been more in relation to just tackling on the back end than they have been just straight up coverage bus. But um, so that'll be a big part of hopefully what we'll be keeping our eyes on uh, Saturday evening there at Tiger Stadium. And then the LSU offense, you know. Uh, you look at the three-headed approach with the running backs, a lot of talent at that position, Sonny. Uh, I don't see a lot of explosiveness to this point. That may be more indicative of the offensive line play. You can tell me about that. Uh, and I'll give Terrace Marshall Jr. credit. You know, there's been uh, the injury to Miles Brennan. You got a true freshman, a couple of freshmen there at the quarterback position uh, led by T.J. Finley. But uh, Terrace Marshall without Jamar Chase – uh, still doing some really good things at the wide receiver position. It looks like he works more inside than outside, I guess. But, you know, at leading the SEC in touchdown catches with nine, that tells me he's doing the job. Yeah, he's been uh, he, he, he's been phenomenal. You know, he's been phenomenal. Obviously, when you look at, you know, when you look at Miles Brennan, played in three games, got better each game. Uh, I, th- I think he's got a bright future. And, you know, you've just got to commend the kid for, you know, for playing through finishing the Missouri game with a partially torn abdominal muscle, uh, you know, I can't imagine the, you know, the excruciating pain that, you know, that he was under. So you've got some, you know, once again, you've got some bright spots, but then you look at Ed Orgeron, Ed Orgeron touted that his running backs, you know, running backs are going to be a strength of the team. The offensive line he thought was going to be a strength of the team. Um, thought the running game was going to be a strength. Well, I think when you go and when you look at, you know, like you mentioned, you know, you don't see a lot of explosive plays, um, you know, and I think a big part of that is that you don't see a lot of holes, you know, even, yeah. e- even, even John Emery in his game against Vanderbilt, when he went for over a hundred yards, um, you know, he, he, he made a lot of that yard, those yards himself making a defender miss and then, uh, you know, and then scooting through a hole. And so, you know, you, but you haven't really seen just, you know, just these big gaping holes, um, you know, from LSU's offensive line. And I think that, I think a reason for that is that, you know, when you had Austin Deckless back, you had Dare Rosenthal, who played some last year when Sadiq Charles was suspended. Ed Ingram has played plenty of football. Chasen Hines has played a good amount of football. Liam Shanahan played, you know, four years at, at, at Harvard. So you've got guys who have played some football. And for me, when I look at the offensive line, I look at it and I see, okay, these guys, these guys are really suffering from, you know, one, they're not in good shape. And if they're not in good shape from a conditioning perspective, they're probably not going to be in a in a, in a in a good shape from a strength perspective too. Because if they're not doing their conditioning work, they're probably not putting in the same amount of time and effort that they put on the strength side in years past too. So for me, that's what I look at the offensive line is I just see I see too many guys who aren't in the conditioning level that they should be at. And uh, you know, and, and I think without a question that that has has really uh, you know hindered the uh, hindered the run game. Yeah, Dare Rosenthal's a guy, right, who it's been very much up and down with him to this point of his career. And I guess most recently not available due to suspension and uh, it's tough in this league, man, when you've got sort of a, a big question mark at that left tackle position. Uh, and you said it, though, another area where continuity means everything. You lose the spring, you lose spring practice, the ability to kind of maybe go ahead and, and establish that that foundation for that with a, 
with another area of this LSU team that is largely turned over from a year ago. I'll tell you something else. You don't appreciate it maybe as much. You certainly appreciate everything Joe Burrow did at LSU, but his legs, Sonny, were so impactful, man, in terms of either helping out with pass, helping out his pass protection, but then in third down situations, how many times did this guy convert third downs? I know he did it here in Tuscaloosa last November, a couple of big, big times with his legs. Yeah, and and that's something that you know in the in the first game against Mississippi State, that was Miles Brennan took a lot of heat for that because. Uh, you know, they people, you know, fans thought that he was getting rid of the ball too soon. He was scared to take a hit that, um, you know, j- just tossing out all different scenarios, trying to figure out, you know, trying to figure out what the deal was instead of it being his first career start. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and, um, and 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 I think one of the things that he really as each game went along that he, he really um, started showing some. um Showing some of the things that Joe Burrow really did, you know, so well last year was buying time in the pocket, you know, moving around, but keeping his eyes downfield and and delivering the ball downfield with good throws to his receivers. And, uh, you know, we saw that we saw it against Vanderbilt. Uh, we saw it against Missouri too. And, and, and for, you know, when I go back and I look at everything Joe Burrow did last year, I think that that was probably the one thing, well, the one area about his game where he helped so many people on offense. You know, you've got 11 guys on offense. You've got 10 other guys beside yourself, him buying time and keeping his eyes downfield, man, you're helping out that offensive line. You're helping out those receivers, giving them more time to get open, to come back to the ball for what have you, you know. And uh, and, and for me, that was the that that was the part of his game that just elevated everyone around him on offense to a higher level. You know, people are making the comparison of Mac Jones and Joe Burrow, and in terms of making a splash in in in, in the year of of really being a, a dominant type starter. I can see that with Mac, but I see Mac Jones and Miles Brennan when I've watched him play because I don't see Mac as the runner mm-hmm. or, or the threat, you know, going up the field. He now where he is similar to Joe Burrow and I think Miles Brennan, what you talked about, is similar to Mac, is that they do know how to use their feet to buy some time so they can throw the football. You know, Burrow had no problem being decisive when it was time to run and tuck it and be physical while doing it. Um, I think Miles and Mac are more along the lines of guys who, you know, understand and instinctive in the pocket and get themselves in position to make throws more than, you know, hit some chunk plays maybe from time to time with their legs. Hey, uh, Sonny, before we let you out of here, I mean, we got to talk some recruiting, at least past, present when it comes to these two teams, because again, it's not always about the numbers of guys that they're both involved with, but when you talk about the uh, the impact potential for the guys that they're involved with, uh, it's typically typically these two in that in that select bunch of of nationally elite programs trying to uh, to win out on the recruiting trail. So when hopefully hopefully we get a game Saturday. Um, from the LSU perspective, guys that you know Alabama was intensely involved with on the recruiting trail. We talked about Ricks. Uh, I guess what about Kayshawn Booty as a true freshman? What what's he? How's his development going? I know Alabama was was very interested there too. 
Yeah, he's uh he he's done well, and and he's another one who just with each game he's gotten better with each game, and uh, he's fourth on the team right now uh, in catches, starting to get uh, you know starting to get more comfortable, where when they get him the ball in space, he's he he's starting to use that speed and not necessarily worry um you know worry about you know that his body may not be physically where he wants it to be to take the beating in the SEC. So he start. I think he's starting to get more decisive and more comfortable with with uh, you know with taking the shots from the defenders, and you know he's one for me. He's one that when you go back when you look at the LSU, you know at the LSU Alabama, uh, you know some of the recruiting battles that they that they've had in the past. You know, he's one that uh, you know I I think he's one that when you look at when you look at who Alabama has and stuff that that's probably one of the guys that they could. Um, that they had plenty of other people to take this spot, you know, uh, when he when he chose to stay at when he chose to stay at LSU, and I think that's because you know when you look at LSU and Alabama, they both just recruit so well at wide receiver, you know, if if wide receiver look at Brian Thomas Jr. for instance, the kid who uh, you know the kid right over here outside of Baton Rouge at LSU Alabama and Texas A and M is uh, is fighting for right now you know this is one of those got one of those to where i think LSU fans have kind of resolved themselves to say okay you know what if he chooses to go to Alabama or if he chooses to go to Texas A and M Louisiana produces so many receivers Crazy. every year Devontae to where, Smith yeah, yeah, that's that's the one position that, you know, that you look at and you say, OK, you know, you you can find someone else. And I think both schools do such a fabulous job, you know, at that position. Now, if it was an offensive tackle, <laughs> it'd be a different story <laughs> because Louisiana. Oh, man, it's uh, we've we've been under an offensive line drought here for really who several years. Yeah. Going back to maybe Cam Robinson. Coming out of the northern yeah, state, yeah, Cam, yeah, Cam Robinson. Um, you know, and, and it's funny. Next year they've got a kid up in uh up in up in Monroe out of uh, Neville, Will Campbell, who is uh I, I want to say he's he's top five in in the country at his position at offensive tackle, and and just uh you know he's probably well I'm trying to pull off the top of my head. I think without without a doubt that he is the you know the the guy with the highest ceiling on the offensive line that LSU has had, I mean that uh, Louisiana has had since uh, since probably Cam Robinson. There you go. Hey, um, as we let you out of here again, I promise we're gonna we're gonna let you go here uh, in just a second. Uh, let, let's let's talk about you know the 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 potential for uh, the future of this series uh, in terms of the competitive nature of it. Um, your expectation for LSU football, and look, you don't like to start talking about a, a, a 2021 season when you still have, on schedule anyway, uh, plenty of football to play. But your your anticipation for how, how LSU bounces back from all this? I, you know, I, I think they're going to bounce back fine, and and I think that you know I, I think the biggest reasons I think it'll be twofold. Obviously, number one, you know, they're still recruiting at a very high level. Got a very talented uh, recruiting class that has really, you know, that has helped address some needs. You know, safety is a big need when you look at the safety play this season. They've got the number one and number two safeties in the country committed, along with uh, with two other guys. Linebackers a big need. They've got three very good linebackers committed. Now they just need to go out and they need to get that left tackle. You know, they need to get that left tackle that you just put on that side and you say, okay, we don't have to worry about you. Tristan Lee would obviously 
fit that mold if they can, uh, you know, if they are able to pull him in. But, you know, so I think that that getting those guys, this recruiting class is going to help. But I also think that next year they have the potential to really be able to convince some of these seniors to return for one more year and take advantage of the NCAA, giving them a free pass this year. Uh, you know, you look at a guy like Austin Deculus and, and, you know, and some of these guys, and when I say this, I don't mean this in, uh, you know, in a derogatory way, but let's say these kids have a, uh, you know, have that, that, you know, they hope the to get year. drafted going into this year. You know, they want to play in the NFL. You look at Austin Deculus, a three-year starter at right tackle. Well, he hasn't exactly had the last couple of years that makes the NFL just scream and say, okay, you know, this is definitely a day three pick right here, you know. And, and I think you have a lot of guys who are going to fit in that mold. John Trey Kirkland at wide receiver, Andre Anthony at defensive end. So I think that there's about seven or eight seniors that they really have a, have a legitimate and a realistic chance of being able to convince to come back for one more year. So if you can get some veteran – if you can get some veteran players – to come back for another year, that's going to help LSU be able to. Uh, I think that's going to help LSU be a a, a one hit wonder. And my one hit wonder, what I mean by that is that they've had a bad year this year, but I think next year they're going to be fine. That they're going to be able talent. to recover from yeah. that because I think they've got too much talent that they have on the roster to where if they're able to just convince some of these seniors to come back, you know, some mm-hmm. of these guys come back for one more year to help with these young guys and kind of get them going. I think they'll be, I think they'll be all right. I don't think it's a situation to where you look at it and you say, okay, you know, wow, you know, this is, this is going to take two recruiting classes to overcome this. Not that far away. Yeah. You know? And you're right about the free year, man. It's going to be really interesting to see what a lot of teams are, are able to do with that because, uh, uh, you know, Alabama's in that same boat. Uh, maybe not so much on the offensive line, although they do have three seniors on that offensive line. Maybe a Deontay Brown comes back, maybe he goes to the National Football League. Uh, you know, Landon Dickerson, I would expect to move on, and obviously the same for, for Alex Leatherwood, but there's considerations. And look, yeah. you know, the, it comes down to uh, the, the team once again for the first time really these days since signing these guys are going to have say in who they want to bring in or who they want to keep in that scenario and uh and maybe who they don't well hey Sonny, as always man great catching up with you great talking with you uh hopefully we're gonna have a football game saturday evening uh if not uh hopefully perhaps we'll have one down the road uh if not this season certainly next year back here in Tuscaloosa, but uh, until then, take care of yourself and keep up the great work with Shay and Billy and the rest of the crew over there at Go 24-7. Hey man, it was uh, always great talking with you and stuff. And the one thing that I, the one thing that I, uh, that I do feel good about is that if these two teams aren't able to play on Saturday and if the SEC is not able to get creative with scheduling and stuff, I can see it now that the Aflac question at the, one of the LSU <laughs> Alabama games is going to be is which SEC West team has Alabama not beaten for two years in a row. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and nice then LSU, LSU. LSU claims a win out yeah. of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, to end that home losing streak for LSU in the series, if they don't play Saturday, you know, you take care of that too. Right. Yeah. See, that's that's the end of that. There you go. Glass half full with all this. Exactly. Right. That's how we have right now. (laughs) Absolutely. All right, Sonny. Take care, my man. Thanks. Too, buddy. There you go. Sonny Ship does an outstanding job with the rest of the crew over there at Go 24 7. 
part of the 247sports.com network. It's the Bama Online Podcast. If you haven't already, how about a subscription to the podcast? Very simple. It's free. We would love for you to join us here on a regular basis on the Bama Online Podcast, wherever you consume podcasts. Leave us a rating and a review if you don't mind. That would help us immensely as well. Travis Ryder, thanking you once again. We'll do it again on the Bama Online Podcast real soon.